Hello, and welcome to episode 64 of the D&D Music Factory podcast. I am David. And I'm Dan. And Dan, tell everybody what we will be breaking down today. So this week, we are talking about... Uh, I guess we're talking about we're talking about reunification. Yeah, we're talking about a second wind. Yeah, uh, a second opportunity at life. So we are counting down our ten favorite songs from bands that have reunited. Uh, bands that and we to make this like you know reuniting doesn't mean your band got in a tiff and then two years later you were like back on the road. Right. Like we set the hard line of it has to be seven years or more. Mm-hmm. of inactivity or a lack of releases yeah so seven years is where we're like okay that's a legitimate like that's a real disappearance you know what i mean of, yeah of, that's, that's, a real that's someone falling off the earth yeah yeah for like, sure we didn't hear anything from you for seven years it's not an album cycle hell it's not even two album cycles it's no. longer than that yeah so that was the hard line that we set for this yep yeah i wanted to call this one like the return of the mac episode but that was his first single so like you can't really return from something you never left yet. Yeah. So that's so I guess that's that's not really appropriate. How here. can I have some more? Yeah. <laughs> if I haven't had any. Yeah. Really strange. Uh, I don't know where he was before he returned, but it wasn't making music. Um, but yeah. So this is. It was definitely a challenge because. I think more than anything for me, it was like, which of these did I care about? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some of them, it was like okay. Glad they good good for them, but uh, that's probably just because they wanted money or yeah. something like that. And which isn't to say that any of mine didn't do that, but maybe they did it for a different reason or something. You know, like. But it is it's tough because this does happen. But there's a lot of instances that I just I don't care about. It wasn't a band maybe I liked to begin with, um, or artist that I like to begin with. But uh, but I think we we both chose ones that that we do really like. Yeah, and so it was worth the wait, uh, sort of. I guess in some some instances, maybe not all the time. Yeah, for me, I said the to limit my initial list, which was over 140 songs. Was it really? It was. It was insane. This is um, one of my shorter ones. But I set my limit of it had to be a band that got back together and then pro- produced an album. And I was okay. like, I wanted you to like have done done something with it, like gotcha. to rather than like because there's a lot of them that I was like, oh man, this is really sick, but it was like a tour or something like that. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to limit myself. This is the the easiest way I can cut down on. Yeah. This. So the only instances of them, the artist not having an album for me, I think there's only one, but they have reunited currently. So they, so it's not, yeah, it's not over. Absolutely. They could, but they're also performing shows that you could go to. Yes. So that, that counted for me, but if they didn't have both, then it didn't count. Gotcha. Or didn't have one or the other, I should say. Yeah, count. yeah. I feel you. Um, yeah, I had a little bit more of a struggle with this one because, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know that I, I. Maybe some things are better off left the way they were. I think like if it didn't work, I think sometimes very it's much. For the there best. were a lot of bands that come back and then put out arguably their worst work. Yeah, I think that's more often the case. And they try to do a cash grab and try to make mm-hmm. a couple of bucks, and you're like. Yeah, you can see everyone can kind of see right through it, kind of deal. You're like, maybe you you should have just stayed gone. Yeah, yeah, it it's tough. Good. It's definitely tough. But mm-hmm. um, well, since you have so many in in your list, why don't you give us some B sides? All right, so some B sides for me. You texted me about it as soon as we started doing this, and the reason they're not on here, the answer is botch with uh their 122 
song release. Right. Um, and the only reason I didn't include it on here is because I was like, it is a new song and it is really exciting, but like they're not, they've said audibly like they're not going to tour. They're not doing a new record. Oh, I thought they were playing shows. All they're doing. No, they're just, they're reissuing. We came as Roman or we are the Romans with that bonus track on it. Gotcha. So I was okay. like, it's well, that not, counts then. it comes from a uh, Nudson, David Nudson, their guitar player said, when he was recording his solo album from last from earlier this year, he wanted to do a heavy song. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so I figured I texted Brian, who used to be the bass player. And he said, uh, hey, man, you want to come over and maybe jam some of these songs out? And he's like, and we did. And we were like, you know what? Why don't we why don't yeah. we do one for the Gipper? Like, nice. Let's uh, let's just bang one out real quick. And he said it was really fun and like, you know, reminiscing and hanging out with those guys again. And Brian Cook has said, never say never. Yeah. And he's like, but. It's, no, just, it's not in the works. It's not in the works. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then that makes sense. Like, there's nothing on the card for right now. Gotcha. Uh, other ones that just missed for me. So, uh, the Libertines with the song Barbarians. Um, they are a, I guess you'd call them Britpop. Um, they were like a band uh, from England. The album is called Anthems for Doomed Youth. And it came out in 2015. They were sort of like the band that never quite crested in the U.S. They were as big as Oasis was there. Huge deal in England, but never really blew up here. And uh, former husband, ex-husband of Amy Winehouse, Pete Doherty's band. Mm -hmm. uh, They were really great, man. But just didn't, they didn't quite. Never got the mainstream here. Yeah, never got mainstream success here. Um, Another one of an album that is still upcoming, so I left it off, is uh, City of Caterpillar. With the song Decider, um, they're gonna put out a new record, and I'm very excited for it. But nice. it's not out yet, so I can't do it. <laughs> and they're coming on tour, but I can't go and see it because it's the same day as Sunny Day Real Estate. So oh, I'm pretty upset about that. Oh, that's annoying. Um, and then I guess last, uh, I'll mention two more. Um, uh, Obituary with the song Violence off of Inked in Blood classic death metal band man that kind of disappeared for years yeah and then came out with this super modern clean intense record called inked in blood some fans didn't like it at all i personally thought it was great yeah i, I really too. Dug i it. thought it was really good um so i was like yeah man that was so sick but just got edged out for me and then the last one for me is who sees you by my bloody valentine off of mbv i've talked too much about them. yeah <laughs> they're, they're, i know that's why they're every not list mine I too have, yeah so i was like yeah I'm leaving it off. Plus, like, I don't love every song on that record. Well, no, there's no way. And it's definitely, if we're talking about a band that comes back, puts out a record, and it's definitely their least good one, mm-hmm. that is there. Yeah. Like, that is them. Like, it is, it's not as good as isn't anything. It's not as good as as Loveless. It's just, it is no, there. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. another My Bloody Valentine record. Yeah. But it was exciting when it came out, man, because it was like, holy shit, they're back. This is great. Mm-hmm. But I uh, just didn't quite make the cut for me. Yeah. So uh, what about you, Dave? What uh, what just missed for you? So one that I just thought of, I can't believe it took forever for me to think of this, Slow Dive. Um, yeah. Um, took, a, took a pretty large hiatus. Um, Outcast, who I've mentioned just two episodes ago, so I didn't want to go that quickly back to the well. Uh, Jonas Brothers, uh, that's a big one for me. And, oh, uh, that, ha- that happiness is, right? Yeah, and then the biggest one that just missed, just missed the cut, uh, Spice Girls. Like, that was really... Oh, right, yeah, they're back, but yeah, but it's not all of them, too. That's Who's the other missing? thing. Scary? Uh, no, I think it's... Uh, I thought Scary was missing. 
I think it's oh, posh. It's no, it's sporty. What? Mel B is not there. Or maybe she's Mel C. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Well, I think sporty, it's Mel B. Sporty Spice. Mel B. Oh, she has like an actual decent singing career without them. Oh. That she's continued on being Mel oh, B. Good for her. Um, and I think she still goes by Mel B as like her sing name, singing name. I think name. you're right. Yeah. And so she's not part of it. It's only four of them now. Oh. I know this because I used to work with a dude who loved Spice Girls. Okay. And like, obviously they got some hits, man. Like I get it. They got some great hits. But like he was, I was like, oh man, they're getting back together. Did you see that? And he was like, yeah, but my favorite one's not there. Sporty was my favorite as a kid. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Um, I was definitely, I was definitely team ginger. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's, uh, she's married to, um, the boss at Red Bull Racing for Formula One. <laughs> nice. Christian Horner is okay. her husband. Yeah. Pretty nice. Yeah. And it, she's in the show a couple times on the Netflix show. Still, I got to watch that more. Still looks amazing. Oh, they've all held up very well. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, and Scary Spice had that whole shit with Eddie Murphy. You ever hear about that? Uh, no. Like but an maybe illegitimate should... kid in like, oh. lawsuits and stuff. Yeah. Yikes. It was wild. Ooh. Yikes, it's getting hot in here. Um, uh, and uh, I guess that's it for me for B-Sides. Um, like I said, I, I, I kind of had a, had a tough one with this one, but I think I think my list is still pretty solid regardless. Yeah, so. man. All right, Dan, why don't you take us over to your number five pick? All right, number five. Oh, Jesus, I have this up too loud. <laughs> Ooh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> like it hit, and I was like, oh. Um, number five for me comes us from the year 2017. This album is called Material Control. It is the third studio album by the band Glassjaw. The song is called New White Extremity. So Glassjaw, as we mentioned in a previous podcast, is probably the the grandfather of modern post-hardcore. They are... Yeah, that's fair. Their album, Worship and Tribute, is is a chef kiss. It is... There's not a bad song on there. It's brilliant. It took everything from the first record and then removed a lot of the cringy incel lyrics. And <laughs> it was it's perfect. This album is crazy, man. This this album came out 15 years following the band's last LP, Worship and Tribute. And six years since the EP. So that's where I'm like, ah, like uh, this this is pushing the limits a little bit. But I was like, six years since your last release, but a good 15 since their last album. Yeah, since so the last real release. Yeah. yeah. Where I feel like Coloring Book may have been like leftover tracks, B sides that they put together. Doesn't matter. I don't. I'm not in the band, so I can't quote that. Um, this was, however, the band's first full-length album without their longtime guitarist Todd Weinstock. Though this band was notable for kind of having a really rotating cast of personnel, um, it pretty much was always Daryl Palumbo, Justin Beck, and uh, Todd Weinstock were like the three. Yeah. And. This didn't have that. This is the first one they did solo, and or not solo, but without him. And a lot of like great people filled in on this too, man. Uh, Billy Reimer from the Dillinger Escape Plan played drums on this record. Oh wow! Um, and honestly, after seeing them live on the anniversary tour, man, some of the songs off this record bang just as hard as the old ones. Man. Yeah. Uh, with this one being no different, it is. I mean. It's, it's doing everything you want Glassjaw to do. Yeah. Big, booming, bombastic guitars. A lot of the... Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's his, got all it's that. definitely unique like, voice, yeah. It's got all that going on. A lot of... Excellent... I think the drums sound amazing on this album. They do. Um, the cymbals are so crystal clear. And I think with the... 
the, a lot of added electronic elements on this record too, which I think is interesting. A little more experimentation from them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, lyrics are great. Um, um, I need you broken and pale, bloody and scarred. I'm searching for a familiar face in my surroundings. Is just how the whole record ends. Sounds like last. How the whole song? Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Man. He's a good lyric writer too. I've always yes. been a fan. Um, <laughs> I connected so much with that first album when I was 15 years old. Oh my god, yeah. And then like going back and listening to it, you're like, oof. Yeah. Some, some of this is a little rough. Hey man, that's that's what happens. Yeah. You know, it's, that, it's dangerous to go yeah. back there. A, a record of its time. <laughs> yeah. You don't you don't want to look back too far and, yeah. and, and too hard at some of the details. You gotta yeah. let some of it. Dude, I remember when I went to that anniversary show. There were so many people there that were like making jokes about it. Like it was yeah. so good. They were like, I can't wait to sing these lyrics that. If anybody in my work heard me, I'd get fired immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's nothing bad I can say about Glassjaw. No. Um, no, man. They're one of those bands, they put out their records, they disappeared, they put another record out, they still don't have bad material. Yeah. I saw them at the first, uh, one of the first shows they played in Philly after their longest hiatus and uh, at Troc, which was like my all-time favorite venue to see a show at because was and they fucking killed it they were amazing yeah, yeah they always were always one of my favorite bands i feel like this band may have had more tattoos of their symbol than any other band during our like youth. it's pretty big man a lot of people had that gj yeah i still occasionally will like be watching you know a sporting event or something with someone in a crowd and you'll catch a, a big gj yeah um i remember dude when i was uh this was like when i first moved to maniunk I was taking the bus, and this, like, big, giant dude got on the bus. He was at my bus stop, right? Big, huge fucking guy. Has his hoodie on, has backpack, headphones on, so he can't hear me. And I look over, and I'm like, is that guy wearing a glass jaw shirt? And I was like, nah, like, he, he's not. Like, he's, like, 40. Like, there's no way. And then the next day, he's at my bus again, and I was like, hey, man, you like glass jaw? And he was like, Oh, dog! I fucking love Glassjaw. Hell yeah! And like we just started talking about it, and I was like, at first I thought I was like, at first I thought he was rocking the, you know, because you get a lot of people that wear like heavy metal shirts and stuff because they're very in, very fashionable. Mm-hmm. But he was like, nah, dog! I fucking love Glassjaw. Hell yeah! And he was like telling me about how he went to like a bunch of the shows when they were still playing out in Long Island when they oh, were wow. like new. It was really cool, man. It was awesome. Uh, nice, super nice dude, and I still see him every once in a while to this day. Um, cause he works near me <laughs> and I'll like walk past him and he just gives me a little head nod. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty great relationship we built, um, <laughs> over that. Especially like I was taking the bus for like the whole winter. So like, yeah, yeah. I would see him almost every day. Nice. And he worked at a cell phone stand the one day I needed a charger cable. So he just gave me one. Nice. Oh, what a good dude. Like I was like, oh man, what do I owe you for this? And he was just like, nah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, with that, with that, uh, fun story to end it, Dave, what is your number five pick for a band who take? Took a hiatus and reunited. All right. Up at number five for me is Check the Rhyme by A Tribe Called Quest. Um, we talked about Tribe Called Quest before uh, in discussing their final album as being their final album, which unfortunately it is. Um, but they did reunite for that one after a pretty a pretty long break. So. Hell yeah, man. Um, and this is actually the song that got me into them. Um, I got this anthology that they put out. And this was the first track on it. It's it's the greatest hits. And this was the first track that they chose. And I was like, oh, fuck, what is this? Um, absolutely huge Tribe Called Quest fan ever since hearing that. This comes. This is actually the first single they released from their second album, The Low End Theory, which came out in 1991. 
the years active uh, list for them on Wikipedia is 1985 to 1998, 2006 to 2013, and then 2015 to 2017. So, um, like I said, this was off of their second album. And a month before the fifth record that they put out, titled The Love Movement, uh, 1998, came out, uh, they, they announced that that was going to be the end for them. Um, usually, when that happens, it's because somebody like puts out something that doesn't do super well. And The Love Movement was certified gold just a month after it was released. Shit, man. Which is very impressive. Um, so, the two main rappers in the band are Q-Tip and Fife Dog. And Q-Tip decided to go and do a solo career. And he did have a lot of success, like, right away. It, uh, one song called Vibrant Thing, which I actually like a lot. Yeah, that was a huge hit. Yeah, and Breathe and Stop, that, that came out for him in 1999. And most people liked it, but a lot of other rappers hated it. And one of the people that was especially vocal about hating it was Fife Dog. And wrote a song... Um, on an album titled Ventilation to LP in 2000 and the lyrics uh, of that song go go ahead play yourself with them ho like hooks sing ballad if it's all about that Maxwell look um, so about moving to a more a more pop direction yeah more pop direction yeah so um, <laughs> obviously not what you would want your you know your your past bandmate to, to put out about you so uh, like I said they, they break up in 1999 and then in 2003 um, I'm, I'm, there's a little bit of a gray area with some of my because some of these artists did reunite but didn't really they may have played like one show which to me doesn't count um, and that's what they did basically in 2003 um, they did one song with Erica Badu and were going to put out an album but then never did um, and then in 2006 again um, Fife Dog started getting really sick and again I told you that he passed away um, right before the last album came out in 2016 so he was he needed money for medical bills so they got together started performing shows um, again discussed another new record but nothing ever materialized um, then a number of years go by so now it's fast forward to 2015 and they get together and do a performance on Jimmy Fallon and that happens to be the same night as the um, the attack in Paris oh the so, Bataclan clan yeah. yeah so so it was like a really like weird emotional moment I guess for them and it kind of like reinvigorated their spirit and so they decided in secret to start recording a, a another album. Uh, and that was the one that was titled, uh, We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service. Fife Dog died in 2016, like I said, right in the middle of a recording of that. But they had had enough of his recording done to be able to finish it without him. They put it out, and um, and unfortunately that was their last. But the gap was 99 to 2016 for releases. And they played a couple shows in between, um, putting out uh, releases. Um I don't, who knows whether they would have continued to do more after that. That that record was very good and successful, but... Yeah, that record was great. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, but, you know, it's done now, but it was cool that they got together. Everyone was super pumped about it when it came out. They performed on uh, SNL, man. Yeah. 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 They, they, were, they were fantastic, and it was great to see them back together and wish it could have continued, but we did get the last that last record, so, you know, at least, at least we have that. And the album title was so perfect. Yeah, we got it from here. Thank you for your service. Perfect. 
Cool. All right, so that's uh, at uh, a tribe called Quest. Dan, what do you have up for us with your number four pick? All right, number four for me comes to us from a very different angle. Yep. This uh, this song. <laughs> this song is off of the 2013 album Surgical Steel by Carcass. This song is called Unfit for Human Consumption. Um, if you don't know about Carcass, they're like a they're from Liverpool, England. They're, I guess, what you would refer to as an extreme metal or death metal band, um, what I would call a death metal band, and are really kind of like one of the forefront artists of that genre. Um, their album Heartwork was often considered to be one of the best melodic death metal records ever made. Um, and then they finished with their album Swan Song that came out in 1996, and then nothing. They really didn't do anything after that. Um, and you didn't hear from them in a long time. And then all of a sudden they came out, dude, in uh, 2013 with this record that is so fucking good. And it's so intense. Like, the first half of it is super intense and blasty and, like, up-tempo. And then the second half is, like, way more, like, riffy and mellow and, like, more of, like, a slower-tempo it's so insane dude it's like it's it'd be like you know Metallica takes a 10 year break and then their album that they come out with when they return is Ant Justice for All you know what I mean like it's it's just like if Metallica took a 12 year gap after Master of Puppets and then came back with arguably one of their best records ever yeah um it really was pretty lauded by just about every metal reviewer that Heard of the album. Um, they said it's in like an unfeigned return to force, return to form, and an absolute like it's not like a rehash of past glories. It's like them doing something new and fresh. It doesn't sound dated. It sounded like what every death metal band should want their record to sound like. Um, modern production, but it doesn't sound too clean. It was it was outstanding, man. Um, it was their first record. Um, uh, first record without uh, the original drummer, but it was—I mean, I—I I don't know that much about the band as far as how much involved with the songwriting he would have been. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is—I mean, it's an absolute blistering song, man. Yeah. Like it's fucking wild. Like there's there's ten excellent riffs in this song alone, and then when it gets to this guitar solo at like three minutes. It's so good, man. I mean, I can't say enough good things. I love this record so much. The last, like, two minutes just is just complete blast. Like, you hear the cowbell, like, the ride bell ringing. Yep. It's outstanding, dude. Uh, I can't say good, enough good things. I want everybody to check this band out. If you haven't, the name's Carcass. This record's called Surgical Steel. The album cover is just a ring of, like, surgical implements and knives. Yeah, it's basically like um, the floor of a hotel room. Yeah, it's insane, dude. It's so perfect. I know I've seen so many people that have this tattoo of the album of the surgical instruments. Um, It's nuts, baby. Band rules. More people should be into them. I mean, a lot of people are into them because they're huge. Yeah. But uh, Dave, what is it for you for your next uh, pick from a band that returned from a hiatus? All right, up at number four for me is Alec Eiffel by the Pixies. And uh, what I tried to do is you did all their return albums. I ended up doing all of their final albums. 
Billboard hiatus. Yeah. So uh, this comes from the Pixies' fourth studio album, Trompe Lamont, that came out in 1991. Um, and their years active, according to Wikipedia, is 1986 to 93, and then 2004 to present. So their tension uh, really started pretty early. So after the album Do Little, which is one of their mo- most famous albums that they put out, uh, came out, uh, Kim Deal and Black Francis were just like at odds all the time. I think he threw something at her after a show and they basically just like stopped speaking. She wanted more involvement and he was basically like, nope, sorry, this is my band um, kind of deal. And it just didn't, never really recovered fully from there. But that was early on in, in the career, so uh, I forget when Doolittle came out. It was in the 90s. That's like their second record, It was their right? second record, mm-hmm. so it was early 90s. Um, and then after after that and after all the, the issues that they had, they put up Bossa Nova and then this record, Tromplemond, they both came out in 1990 and 1991. They went on tour with supporting U2 in 1992, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah. Very strange lineup. I can't think of a lot of crossover. No, I can't really at all. And uh, they, without telling anybody, they kind of went on a uh, went on a little bit of a break after that. And Black Francis wanted to focus on solo stuff, and I think Kim Kim did too, because she was tired of being stepped over for for ideas. I would imagine. Yeah, and she went and joined uh, the band with her the, sister, right? Yep, the Breeders. Yeah, yeah. And so in 1993. Uh, Black Francis did an interview with BBC Radio 5 and told and announced on there that the Pixies were done, done, and it didn't say anything to the other members of the band and allegedly sent a fax to Kim Deal letting, and the other two members letting them know that the band was officially over, which is not how you would want to do it. It was uh, 90s way to break up a band. Yeah, basically. Send a fax. Yep. So that's 93. In 2003, they started practicing kind of in secret and then put it, went on tour, sold it all out pretty pretty much instantly and um, played their first reunion show in 2004 and then kind of over the next eight years had played some festivals, did a little bit of touring, nothing, nothing major. Um, Kim Deal le- left the band in 2013 and then the following year in 2014, they released a collection of LPs titled Indie Cindy, um, which was their first album in over two decades. And um, can't say that I'm super familiar with the new one, uh, but I do love everything that they did before that, Um, especially this one. And this is definitely not one of their more known hits, I would say, uh, which is why I wanted to include it. it. Nothing like a song comparing the Eiffel Tower to a penis. Um, I do it all the time. And uh, and, and the guy who, who did it. Great Get Up Kids cover of this song. Um, yeah. They're just one of my favorites of all time. Pixies rule. Everybody should love them, despite the fact that they're all weirdos. Um, yeah. They clearly hate each other. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. They got back together. They did some stuff. Not going to tell you that that's new records my favorite, but um, they still got to back together, so it counts. They did. Yep. Cool. All right, Dan. Why don't you take us over to your number three pick? All right, number three for me comes to us from 2014. This song is called Really Love by D'Angelo and the Vanguard off of his album Black Messiah. This is probably probably one of the best albums from that year, oh, without easily. a doubt. Yeah, easily. Um, if you don't know D'Angelo, he had also recorded the albums Brown Sugar and Voodoo, 
You may remember him from the, I guess, seemingly naked video for uh, How Does It Feel? Um, that was huge where it's just, it was just him singing as he slowly spun and like just would almost show his dick and then would pan back in. Um, it was like a hugely popular video back Wonder in the why. 90s. Uh, but this album, a 14 year gap between the first, between his last album and this, between Voodoo and this record. Um, on this album, dude, it's so cool. The recording of it, he said he went for an all analog sound and wanted to be a more wild, unpolished funk album um, in relation to Sly and the Family Stones, There's a Riot Going On. Oh. Was what he said he was trying to accomplish. Um, lots of collaborators on here, uh, like Quest Love, uh, horn player Roy Hargrove. Like, a lot of people joined him on this album. And it's almost a great, it's it's very different from all of his previous, from his previous two records. Oh, absolutely. Whereas it's almost, like, I feel like there are only intermittent moments in this where it is just clearly him singing. And it's almost like an, a, a wild accompaniment of like gang vocals and swirls and horns. And yeah. it's so romantic and incredible. And like, this is a record, like if you bring someone back to your apartment after like a bar and you put this album on, like it is a perfect mood set. Like yeah, you've, it is. You've, you've already started driving to pound town at that point. <laughs> yeah. The keys the are train has left the station. You're on your way. But it's yeah. like, it's such a great, not a, not a creepy way. No, not a creepy a, way. Consensual in a consensual way. way. In a consensual way. But like, this is a record that goes on. Everybody knows the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, this guy just put on D'Angelo. Like, all yeah. right. Okay. Well, but this, my this record is, I mean, it's so good, man. So, um, so good. And so surprising. I was, shocked at this when I heard dude, it and I absolutely loved it dude this song Betray My Heart I mean it almost reminds me of like D'Angelo's metamorphosis into like the 2010's Prince like where it was it's so much more than just like like if you think about like uh, like Prince's like self-titled like this is so much more than just like a disco dancey like I want to be your lover mm -hmm. this is like Purple Rain I feel like like where it's so strange and more interesting. Yeah, and there's like Spanish guitar on it, and like it's just so. And then it's so different, but so good. I see as it reminded me more of the aforementioned Erica Badu. Like, yes, I I felt very much like whoa. It this is like um, it's more soulful. It's got a lot more gospel aspects to it throughout the whole thing it's just it's fantastic yeah and it was like not what I was expecting at all some of it it like it makes me think like um, also it contains a sample of We the People Who Are Darker Than Blue by Curtis Mayfield Ooh. which is just I mean brilliant um, there's a string selection uh, or string section heard during the intro um, it's it, it's just like fuck man there's spoken word in here yeah it's just it's everything I want from from a incredible R&B track. Yeah. And it proved that D'Angelo wasn't a fluke, man. He wasn't mm -hmm. just like a, a 90s one-hit wonder. He's like, no, man, I'm a fucking force. Yeah, and, and just put the, the full artistry on display, on display with this one. Really, like, you know, clearly spent a lot of time on it and did it right. And it, yeah. it shows. Didn't rush one out. was like, ah, you know, maybe I'm coming back, so let's just bang a couple songs. It's like, 
We spent two years in a studio. Yeah. <laughs> and no, make the best is, album you've ever heard. This record's amazing. It's absolutely absurd. All right, so Dave, with that, what is your number three pick for a band that returned from a hiatus? All right. Up at number three for me is Rolodex Propaganda by At The Drive-In. Um, this is from their third studio album, Relationship of Command, which came out in the year 2000 uh, and was, again, the last one that the band put out before taking their, their initial hiatus, I guess I should say. So the year's active lists 1994 to 2001, 2011 to 2012, and 2016 to 2018. So... I guess technically they're not still going, but with these lunatics, you, you never really know what to expect. They're yeah. absolute madmen. So I, I they, they could be putting out a new record. There could be a new Mars Volta record tomorrow for all we fucking know. Although probably not because the keyboard player is no longer with us. But sure. Um, all right, so well, they have. Yeah, I guess at the drive-ins, no longer. They're never going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Maybe. I don't. I mean, th- we said that after this. So. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Mars um, Volta's got a new record out in three weeks. So. Do they really? Yep. See, that's my point exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, they they had this like incident where they were in a, in an accident in their van, and then they were all kind of just like behaving weirdly after that. So the lead singer Cedric Bixler Zavala. Um, while they were performing in, in Australia, like not long after that, just started yelling at everybody to calm down and, and had a quote that said, uh, he, he was yelling, you're a robot, you're a sheep, and was just bleeding at them. And then they just left the stage. Um, and then he was quoted as saying, I think it's a very, very sad day when the only way you can express yourself is through slam dancing. Um, and then they canceled the rest of their tour and that was basically it like it was really strange and which is it's especially strange if you watch them perform live because they weren't standing still they were fucking lunatics yeah man omar and cedric are going nuts at all times so for him to get on stage and tell people to calm down is just nuts it doesn't make any sense it's completely our character Maybe he like hit his head or something, or it was all the drugs, or I, I think it's also it was probably a little bit of the drugs, but I think it was also they probably hit that level of popularity and influence where where like uh, Nirvana was saying like all of a sudden I look in the cr- out in the crowd and I'm seeing guys that would have like beat my ass in high school, yeah, are like you know slam dancing and like getting all aggro mm-hmm. to our music, and I'm like. This isn't what I made this I didn't for. write this for them. Yeah. Yeah, like, I wrote this, this against them. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't write this for this. This angry music came from a place of of being, you know, abused and bullied and shit like that. And now I have to see these same motherfuckers out here doing that stuff. And I, I don't disagree with that. But we also can't discredit the excessive drug use. Of by the two, of yeah. Especially Cedric and, and Omar. And so they split... Those two start Mars Volta. The other three start the band Sparta. Um, very clear differences in styles from that point out. Then um, they break up the Mars Volta. Um, Cedric and Omar stop speaking to each other entirely. And then less than a year later, at the drive-ins back together. Mm-hmm. Just, again, just they're lunatics. They just, they're, they constantly do this shit. And so I, I don't know what to expect. So they played shows... In 2018, after releasing a new album 
I don't know how to pronounce it. If you're intentionally supposed to use the dots or Interalia, it came out in 2017. They played shows in 2018, and it's said again that they just they don't know where to go. They're taking a hi- but they called it a hiatus. So it's again, it's not done. They did come back. They put out a record from 2001. Did I say 2001 till 2017? A 16 year gap. That's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, and it's not bad. It's not what you would have build it up to be in your head because I think a lot of us were all very, very excited for this reunion. I know, I know this is one of the like more exciting reunions of my lifetime. Um, and it's fine. It, the record's fine, but it's not as good as relationship of command. Not it's, that ever anything ever will be yeah, I mean, because I, that record's perfect. I was very much not into the record uh, when it came out. I wanted it's fine. to be, it's fine. I wanted to be yeah. so much. I love acrobat tenement so much too. Yeah. Acrobat tenant. Sorry. Yeah. It's um, so good. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be so exciting. And then the first single dropped, and I was like, "Huh." Yeah, I think that's <laughs> how everybody was. Like, it just—it was there. It didn't have any of the, didn't have any of the edge, any of that sharp. Agreed. Like wild manness. To Again, it. look, like look up perform the performance of them playing one arm scissor on later with Jules Holland. Yeah. Uh, Omar's guitar doesn't even work for half the song because he's just throwing it, and just they're just going absolutely insane. They were. That's one of those, like, the ultimate, like, how did you capture that emotion on a record kind of bands? Like, the live performance has way too much energy that, like, it cannot be confined to a single, to, yeah, a, if you get to a, a recording, you know what I mean? If you like, get a chance, there's a live record, because, like, live, I've always heard, like, I never got to see them, but I've always heard they are arguably one of the worst live bands. Yes. Because they're, like, if you're, you're either fully dialed in and you're in with the energy and you love it, mm-hmm. or you're standing there going, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Because it's so off the rails. Right. And and if you if you listen to them and you have songs that you like and like hearing the way that they were recorded, <laughs> yeah. you're not going yeah, to see that from that's them That's not live. what you're getting. Yeah. It, not at all. But some of them, like, they have a, a live record called Scab Dates. Yes. That some of the versions on that are better than the album versions. Yeah. And it's incredible. They're, they're insanely talented. Mm-hmm. Like, so talented. They br- it's clear they, they bring can... out, like... Yeah. They brought out, like, you know, Santana-style, like... Uh, what's their name? Uh, like, percussionists yes. with them. Yeah, yeah, and You're yeah, like, yeah. God, this is so fucking great. Yeah. But you could also see how, like... If you're dancing on that knife's edge, which they were at like, all times, you can yeah. teeter pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Yeah, for for the casual fan of them that doesn't know what to expect, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna walk away from that show. Like, like, what the fuck did I just? It'd watch? be like going to see Frank Zappa. Yes, you know what I mean. You'd be like, what the, what the you'd fuck be like, is what happening? Did I just watch? Like, is he yeah. gonna play Hot Rats? Like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. All right, Dan. Let's take it over to your number two pick. Are we at number two already? Number two. Wow. Number two for me comes to us from the late great. I guess they're still alive, so it's not the late great, but Dinosaur Jr. Um, This song is called Almost Ready off of their album Beyond. It is their eighth studio album, and it is their first, the biggest, uh, the gap from the last record handed over was 1997. Um, So... 97 to 2007. I mean, pretty good, man. Yeah. Solid 10 years. Yeah. And the biggest thing is that this was the first album to feature Murph back on bass Love since Murph. Bug in 88. So, like, he was out of the band from 88 on. 
until now when he came back. Oh, cool. Um, so if you don't know Dinosaur Jr., it is... You should by now, because we've, we've discussed them before. we discussed them. Yeah. It's Lou Barlow. I'm sorry, Murph was... Jesus Christ. I also blew the whole thing. This is the first album with Lou Barlow back um, on bass and vocals. Uh, Murph was always in the band as their drummer. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, and Jay Maskus is their lead singer and guitar player. Yes. Um, so this is the first album with Lou Barlow back, and it's so good, man. I love the... I love the like the chorus effect they have on Mascus's vocals on this record, um, and they really said when they did it, they didn't want to overthink it. So they're like, you know, we really weren't interested in like trying to come up with too much or trying to like get it perfect. We were like, let's just like hang on this room, jam these songs out, and then hit record. And I think that's how the record sounds. It's, it's loosey goosey, and like sounds very kind of off the cuff, but this band's so talented. That at no part does it sound like they're fucking up. No. Like, it's, there's no... Nope. There's, like, improvised solos and bends all over the place, but none of them are out of key. Yeah. Like, nothing misses. Yeah. And it's awesome. I think um, when you spend that much time playing together, you kind of create some of that, especially when it's only three of you. Yeah. My favorite thing is... Uh, Murph. No, so I heard that... Uh, I mean, Murph is great, that his name's just Murph. <laughs> I mean, like, there's no other... No last name, no nothing. No, you don't need one. But um, I heard um, someone at my job refer to them as Stoner ZZ Top, and I thought that was Ooh, very funny. Yeah. Um, I, like, that is very good. Like, yeah. like, like, like ZZ Top with a jean jacket. <laughs> and I was like, where like, all the songs are kind of the same. They're little like three-minute ditties. They have great guitar solos. Yeah. And I was like, it's pretty funny, man. That's Yeah, that's... Um, uh, that's none of the songs... They didn't write whole albums about legs, but other than that, I well, get it. You know... It's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Legs are important. The beards are there. I mean, they're great. I can't say enough good things about Mascus and the boys. I mean, yeah, fantastic band. Rules. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't they, think they have shit records. They're nope. just they're just great. And this is this is a great point in their a great like I would say even starting record. Like if you've never really listened to them, start here, man. These are yeah. really accessible songs, really fun, and it sounds great. It's recorded excellently. Um, yeah. Yeah. Start here. So, Dave, what do you got up for us at number two? All right. Up at number two for me is You Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses. Now, I did previously mention this is a B-side to the drum intros. Just missed out on that one. But it makes it here because it's hard to talk about bands that took a good chunk of time off without mentioning Guns N' Roses. Now, there is a little bit of technically they weren't completely done. But... You talk Chinese democracy? No, well, no, I'm talking about like all the jabronis that filled in so that Axl Rose oh, could continue yeah. playing shows and make money while he was literally the only one left in the band. So it didn't count. In my opinion, that doesn't count. If you have other members of your band that later rejoin your band, that's a hiatus. Yeah. Like, that's not the same band. You only legally get to call it that because you did. But that wasn't the band. The, the band was gone they were all gone except for Axel for a long period yeah Um, just because you won a lawsuit doesn't make it the same band right and everybody else couldn't stand you Um, so this is from their fourth studio album Use Your Illusion 2 technically not the last one so there was what was called like leftover spaghetti or something that they put out spaghetti incident spaghetti incident that came out after this but I don't count that one because it sucks Um, (laughs) so Originally, this song came out 
before the album on the Terminator 2 soundtrack, which is just about the most badass thing that you could do. Oh, yeah. Best part about that is that in order for that to happen, Arnold Schwarzenegger needed to convince the band to let the movie do that. So he had them over for dinner at his house. I would actually listen. We really need the song. It's going to make the scene perfect. I would fucking like, love to have been at that party. You know that song you have that goes, We child do mine? Yeah. Like, would you please do that? Do, 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 do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't even picture it. Like, <laughs> the conversation yeah. must have been incredible. Um, I, I think that giant killing robots really will fit with your sound. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fucking great. It's, it's, it's so good. Um, so, so the hiatus between records is uh, 15 years. 1993 is when Spaghetti Incident came out. The next one was the long-awaited, much-anticipated, horrible piece of shit tiny, Chinese democracy in 2008. Oh, yeah. Um, it was one. It was a joke for a long period. Like, oh, oh, this band's never gonna put out another album. They must be working on Chinese democracy. You know what I mean? Like that was like it was like a, a joke. Um, but they did. And they still perform shows, even though it was literally just Axel this whole time. So, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but Buckethead played guitar for them for a little yeah, while. Yeah, he did. Yep. Uh, Zach Wilde played guitar for them for a little while. They had so many people play different instruments in that band that they don't even have on their Wikipedia page the list. There's a link to a whole nother fucking page of people because they, it was too much to fit in just their band's page. Jesus. That's a hiatus, folks. Yeah. That counts. One of these people, this this was just like one of the most amazing amazing things I've seen in a long time. So one of the people, and I guess it was the most recent guitarist before uh, Slash rejoined the band, his name was DJ Ashba, and he was in the band from 2009 to 2015. And I looked at his picture and was like, this is the biggest tool I've ever seen in my life. Like, this is a guy I will never have a conversation with about anything. So I did some digging, man. All right. And so I went to his Wikipedia page to find out a little bit more about this, this, this fucking dude. This is this is from his personal life section. DJ's favorite drink is Jägermeister. We're off to a great start. <laughs> Ashba married Nathalia... Canal on September 23rd, 2013, after one year of dating. He was 40 and she was 21. Nice. Yeah. Keeps going. In 2013, three Las Vegas police officers took Ashba and his girlfriend, Nathalia Canal, on a ride in a police helicopter, ending with Ashba proposing marriage. To oh, wait, this part's not funny. I thought they were actually arresting him. Oh, no, they were. They weren't supposed to take him. He convinced the cops to take him on a helicopter ride to propose to this 21 year old. And all the cops got fired or were forced to retire because they let just like a random fucking dude in a helicopter, a police helicopter. Jesus Christ. Anytime your your personal life of uh, your Wikipedia page says that your favorite drink is Jägermeister, like literally you are the last person. Like, I don't want to get too far into my hate right here, but there's an exact kind of person that I'm picturing and it's pissing me off. Um, it's the kind of person that wears a leather hat. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I just looked, I Googled his picture and he had leather hats on. Yeah, he sucks. In dude. all of them. Yeah. Lots of like weird looks. Just, just fucking butt rock, new metal, poster child. But just like an exaggerated version of all their worst features. Yeah. 
Yeah, he looks pretty cool. Yeah, he's super cool, dude. So yeah, he somehow played guitar for them, and then Slash got back in the band, and now they're back together, sort of. Nobody really cares at this point. But they are back together, um, and it was, you know, it was fun waiting for Chinese Democracy, and then super disappointing when it came out. Yeah, no, people uh, people were really into the tour. Um, they loved it a lot. Sure. There are always going to be people uh, that go to their shows. Always. What's it called? The uh, not the not I mean, the reunion tour with Slash and everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know that there was a whole thing where uh, Dave Grohl let Axl Rose borrow his throne. That's right. His guitar throne. Because Dave right. Grohl broke his leg. We talked about this. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Axl broke his leg. Yeah. And Dave gave him the throne to use Which for is their cool. shows. And honestly, if you were going to go see them and you got to see... Duff and Slash back in the band. Mm-hmm. That's way that's far cooler than anything that they did for that twenty five year period leading up to it. It's from ninety six to two thousand sixteen, so twenty years. Um until Slash and Duff got back in the group. And if you want to go see them there, go for it. If you're a fan of them and and you know, think they've still got something to show you, by all means go. There's there's worse things to do and worse bands to see. For sure. Um, cool. All right. So with all my hate done, Dan, why don't we go over to your number one pick? Number one for me comes to us from out of Champaign, Illinois. The year is 2020. The song is called Waves off of the band, off of the album Inlet by the band Hum. This to me was the biggest comeback album in the sense that it sounded like this band had taken zero time off whatsoever. Am I nuts too, or was this like kind of secretive? It was, they weren't telling people they were back and working on a record at all. Yeah. It was all of a sudden, it was like two months, a month before it came out, they were like, oh, we're back. Here's a single. We have a new record coming. Yeah. And everyone went, what? Yeah, I remember like a lot of, wild stuff on twitter that day yeah wait what it was they are if you don't know this band hum they were the band that should have been bigger oh absolutely um they were absolute brilliant i get space rock is what i'd call it um yeah them and failure i think we've described them as being space rock gods so i think this might be our longest hiatus in the sense of between albums of 22 years yeah. Between two records, between Downward is Heavenward in 1998 and Inlet in 2020. I mean, and they don't sound like they missed a fucking beat. Nah. It is. It's amazing. It's so full. It's probably their heaviest record. Definitely. Their most aggressive sounding. And it's, it's just, there's no. I was so floored when I heard it. I was like. It came into the store. We got our copies early because we're, we're the record stores. They show up a few days before. I put it on, and I just, like, melted into the floor. Yeah, dude. I was like, this is everything I want it to be. Walls of guitars, super echoey vocals, really spaced out, delayed lead lines. I mean, the drums are super intense. All the toms hit really low in the subs. Yep. It's just it's, it's perfect. just brilliant. It's perfect. Um, it was surprise released on Bandcamp, June twenty third, twenty twenty, and it was just—I mean, it was—it was phenomenal. Yeah, best way to do it. Like there couldn't be something better. Um, 
So the band, the big thing about this is that in my experience, this was uh, fully self-released. And like oh, wow. they produced the album themselves. And it was just all of a sudden like, oh, uh, yeah, we're back. And it's like, what? 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 Like, what I need time. About? I need time to prep. And like the year before, they had gotten back together. Maybe two years before, they had uh, they had gotten back together and they did a tour with them in Failure. Oh. And I was I was <clears throat> even more appropriate by saying that. Then. Yeah, it was them in Failure, and uh, the opener was nothing. And yeah, insane yeah, and yeah. sick. And like you're like, oh, this is so good. I wish these bands would come back. And then Hum did. And you're like, fuck, man. Um, so that was one of the other ones that I didn't mention earlier that just came to my mind. It was Failure uh, with Heart as a Monster. was yeah. a huge gap. But I already did songs from that on previous yeah, episodes. Yeah. So I was like, ah, I'll leave that one off. But I really can't say enough. I, I know I've used the phrase already, but if there is an album that I would want to convince you to listen to, it is probably Inlet. This yeah. record's so good. If you like... It's a perfect where it's that great where it's heavy, but it's not too heavy because there's not any screamed vocals. So, like, it's not going to immediately turn people off. Yeah. Like, you can play it in a situation with a bunch of normies and they're still going to vibe to it. Yeah. Um, but more people should listen to Hum. I think they're. Oh, yeah. Always. They're a rock band from the 90s that needs more love. Yep. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Very cool. Check them out, folks. The, the record's on Bandcamp. Everywhere find the albums are sold. Um, <laughs> the rest of the records are extremely hard to find. Uh, their singer and main songwriter has basically been buying back the rights to their records and doing remasters and re-releases himself. Um, so previously, he had repurchased and re-released Downwards Heavenward, and then with the money from that inlet, also went back and bought the rights to Electra 2000 and you'd prefer an astronaut yeah. and said to expect those in early 2023. Oh, that'll, that'll so be awesome. I'm very excited. Uh, especially, I always love a band that puts records out but actually puts time into like, we're mastering for vinyl. We're doing mm -hmm. analog vinyl yeah, do mastering. Right. Like, yeah, do right. this is going to sound right. So when I ask you to pay 30 bucks for this thing, you're getting your money's back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, with that, Dave, what do you got for us at number one? All right, up at number one for me is Testify by Rage Against the Machine. This one is definitely the most timely, I think, of all of these with them just finishing up oh, uh, yeah. the shows and tour that they just did. So uh, another one of those just like lifelong, holy shit, I can't wait for this to happen. And, and another broken foot. Yes, that's right. Zach Delarocco broke his foot. If you're, right? if, you're, if you're starting to tour up again, yeah. watch your feet, folks. That's why they say it's a young man's game. <laughs> uh, so this... Uh, I, I put a note in here because we were talking about, I believe in the last episode, where you say, like, people say Dave. Like, oh, I want to see Dave. Yeah. It was definitely the same for this band, but it was Rage. Yeah. But saying Rage is far, like, infinitely cooler than saying Dave, and Dave yeah. is my fucking name. Also, and like, I still don't even like Also, it. Rage is like, it's, it who else something. could that be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to see Dave. Dave, Dave Mason? Like, yeah, exactly. Who is yeah, Dave? yeah. Um, David Copperfield? Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is side one, track one from what is really... I'll use the term technically here, Dan. Uh, technically their last studio album because 
Uh, this, the Battle of Los Angeles came out in 1999, and then a year later they put out uh, Renegades. Yeah, that was all, all covers. It's all covers. So yeah, this is their last original record that they put out, and this is the one I was referring to in the beginning. They actually haven't put out a new record, so I get that that might, you know, rub people the wrong way when they're thinking about this list, but they're back together. Like, it, it, that's what counts here. Um, they took... I mean, they, they took a really long break. So, really, after Renegades in 2000, it was really the end. Uh, Zach Villarroca left the band. He wanted to do something different. I feel like it was probably getting a little bit exhausting that year, especially with them being a very politically charged band. A pretty big election happening in this year. I imagine there was probably a lot of bullshit that he was having to deal with for his lyrics and the content. And uh, had a really... He had a he had a pretty low key solo career, like it seemed like he really did want to step out of the limelight, whether that was intentional or not. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what ended up happening. The rest of the band forms Audio Slave with uh, the late uh, Chris Cornell, who unfortunately took his own life a few years ago. But um, they just they just wanted to go in different directions. Like I said, I, you know, I, I hate to guess what people are feeling, what, what they wanted to do, but I have to imagine that that was probably a tough time for him with what was going on in the world and, and how uh, outwardly political his lyrics were. And yeah. his, his um, you know, the way he was drawing attention to certain things and, and literally saying, like, fuck cops and shit like that. Like, he, he was probably getting a lot of bullshit that he didn't, which is probably just tired of the So they, um, they kind of had a couple like random festivals and things they had done throughout the years um, since then. I think in 2007, 2009, they, they performed at some different festivals. Uh, but it wasn't really until like uh, 2016 when it started to become more of a thing again. And um, they, planned, they planned a tour that got really kind of fucked over by COVID, it seems like, because it was supposed to be in 2020, then it was pushed back to 2021, and then it finally ended up happening this year and hate five six sunny who we've talked about in multiple other episodes is filming it so we're going to have like incredible hd footage from the performances and we're going to get to see them back together so even if you're not going to the shows we're all going to be able to watch this shit and anybody that was as big of a fan as you and i were this is it's amazing this is exactly what we would want um you know we'll see how it ends up but every everything i've seen has been positive from the yeah. performances and everything, and I hope that this is leading to to another record because that would just be that would be the icing on the cake. I don't know if it's going to. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I feel like, uh, but it could be cool. I think it would be great. I mean, it's definitely a. I think they could pull it off. We're in a tumultuous time to have. Yeah, a band like that back would be really interesting. It would be because you could just as easily see them pointing the finger at some things that you know maybe people who think like us believe in. And yeah. calling, you know, calling out hypocrisy on both sides, which people may not be ready for, um, because you know, as Tom Morello pointed out to a, a idiot loser on Twitter one time who had no, did not do his research, he is, he does have a master's of science or a political science from fucking Harvard. Yeah. So th if they say something, listen, because they're smart people who have always been at the forefront of. I don't want to call it counterculture, but like, you know, a different way of thinking that uh, I think has been important for us in our childhood. I mean, what else could you possibly expect from a band called Rage Against the Machine? But yeah, it's been an important band for my life. And 
I think a lot of other people that are our age, and I'm very happy to see them doing stuff, even if it is with only one leg. Very true. Yeah. I fucking love that band, man. They're so they're perfect. They're absolutely perfect. Tom Morello is one of the greatest guitar players of all time. They're, everything about them is perfect, and I would love to see them or get another record. But I cannot wait for that Hate Five Six footage because that's going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, man, that'll be fantastic. He's Sonny's. Join his Patreon. Go yes. go throw that guy support some money. him, please. Yeah, so he gets to keep doing this. All right, cool. So that's our list. Um, this was this was good. I got to think about things in a way that I probably haven't in a, in a long time in for some of these artists. So it's always good to get a fresh perspective like that and, and have to kind of think, think on your feet a little bit. So that was, this is a fun one. Uh, hopefully everybody listening enjoyed it as well. And make sure you let us know what you thought about our choices on social media, and what you would do differently uh, and songs you would have chosen instead. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. So you're kept up to date on the new releases as soon as they come out. Dan, Tell everyone where they can find us. All right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at D&D Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at at Lukewarm Steve Austin on Instagram and D-